I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. You want to bring everyone into the room when you're drafting legislation, including those who will oppose you. A special live broadcast from the Utah State Capitol. Here's Boyd Matheson and Inside Sources on KSL News Radio, 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome, everyone, to Inside Sources. Great to be with you today live from Utah's Capitol Hill. I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News. And as always, this is the fastest 60 minutes in radio. Uh, We have a ton to cover today from Utah's Capitol Hill. We'll bounce between Utah's Capitol Hill to our nation's capital, where a host of things are uh, emerging and evolving today. And uh, we'll continue to keep you posted on all of that as uh, as we roll on through uh, all the way till noon today. Uh, and as always, we're going to try to slow things down just a smidge to make sure we can separate and divide the rage from the reason, uh, which is always a good thing to do as you begin a legislative session. There's uh, a lot of things that are being proposed, uh, some things that are being reacted to, uh, and a host of things to to really discuss and, and get a deep dive on. So uh, as you start to follow the Utah legislative session, uh, very important that we just take a breath, uh, 45 days. It's the fastest 45 days, kind of like the radio show. Uh because it is quick, and there's a lot of things that do need to be done, a lot of changes, a lot of last-minute curveballs coming uh, this year. Uh, so we'll break those down in terms of what does it mean to Utah voters, what does it mean to Utah families, and what are the most important priorities that need to be done. You'll, you'll hear everything from messaging bills on one hand to substantive legislation on the other, controversial things in between, and we'll have it all for you here on KSL News Radio. So stay with us throughout the next 45 days and uh, really throughout the day today. A little bit of pomp and uh, ceremony to start the day Uh, it's also a charter school day today so the rotunda is very active Uh, you may hear uh, some of our friends just outside the uh, cozy confines of where we're uh, broadcasting from today Uh, we've got a mariachi band just outside uh, the door so we'll uh, stay tuned for that you don't want to miss that and uh, we'll we'll continue to track all as we go through the day a couple things to reflect on is as utah begins its legislative session and that is the the way we talk about things really matters. And Utah does it better, I think, than most places around the country, clearly better than anyone in Washington, D.C., in terms of talking about policy uh, and getting past just the rhetoric of things so that we can have elevated conversations, deeper discussions. And, you know, it's been a, a really reflective weekend in many ways. Uh, we talked to, on Thursday. Uh, we'll talk about it a little later in the show today, the passing of Clayton Christensen. Uh, from Harvard Business School, uh, really one of the great innovative thinkers of our time uh, and an influence that most people don't recognize. I mean, it is a global impact in terms of what he taught, 
how he lived and the and the organizations that he impacted from government to business to religious organizations and beyond. Uh, but how he did it was interesting. We're going to talk about that as we get towards the end of the show today. Uh, but again, the way we do that, obviously, we had the uh, the tragedy and the ongoing uh, rollout of, of what occurred of the tragic helicopter crash involving Kobe Bryant, his daughter, and others. Uh, we will continue to monitor and follow that. So it really has been a a reflective kind of weekend where you do sort of stop short and say, okay, what what is it that matters most? And then, of course, today is the 75th anniversary of the liberation of Auschwitz. Uh, and you think of you think of what led to that uh, in that concentration camp uh, over a period of years. Uh, there were approximately 1.1 million Jews, Poles, Roma people uh, that were killed there and you think of that number, 1.1 million, uh, that's significant. And so how do you get to that? How do you get to that being okay? And I think it's important for all of us, again, as we begin a legislative session here on Utah's Capitol Hill, how we talk about things does matter. And if we can do it uh, without contempt, if we can do it without demonizing uh, those who disagree with us, uh, that's where we have to get. Because it's not that far of a march. Uh, from just kind of the angry rhetoric of our day uh, to a kind of thing where we can so dehumanize someone we disagree with that it becomes okay to discriminate, that it becomes okay to isolate, uh, and it's uh, a a downward spiral from there. And so I do want to just caution everyone as we begin a very uh, important legislative session here in the state of Utah that how we talk about issues matters, and particularly how we talk about things that we disagree on uh, matters even more. Uh, I was in uh, New York and Washington, D.C. Uh, late last week, uh, Thursday and Friday, and it, it was interesting. The The mood there uh, is uh, a, a little edgy. People are frustrated. People are exhausted. Uh, today, uh, beginning uh, right now as we speak, uh, not on Utah's Capitol Hill, but in our nation's capital, uh, the president's defense team is going to lay out to their argument. They did a little bit of pre-work on Saturday, uh, laid some of the case out. I think what you'll see today is they'll lay it out in a narrative form, a sort of a story form. Uh, and then I think they'll rest a little early. I don't think they will use all of their allotted time. It's sort of the theory, if you, you think you're ahead or you think you've done your job, then you should stop talking and sit down. And so I think you'll see that. Uh, new developments today, obviously, uh, as uh, over the weekend, news of uh, John Bolton's new book that will be coming out and some of the passages there uh, that are not friendly to the president and how things rolled out. And so that sort of changed the dynamic a little bit. It led Utah's Mitt Romney uh, to say this this morning. I, I can't begin to tell you how uh, John Bolton's testimony would ultimately uh, a play on a final decision, but it's relevant, and therefore I'd like to hear it. Uh, and uh, uh, what impact that might have would be dependent upon all the facts associated with it. We'd hear from, obviously, prosecution and defense as to what was uh, relevant and what was uh, said and how that might influence our final vote, but I can't begin to tell you how uh, that would be resolved. I'm, uh, as Senator- I've indicated, I see myself as a senator juror, and in that capacity, uh, I will maintain uh, impartiality to the extent I can. All right, that's Utah Senator Mitt Romney earlier uh, today talking about uh, his feeling that uh, 
uh, Mr. Bolton should be called as a witness, should be subpoenaed as a witness. Uh, so that will be interesting as, as we look at how this week is going to roll out. Uh, we'll have, uh, again, as I said, the continuing rollout of the president's defense. And then you'll have probably a couple of days, uh, eight, 16 hours, I believe, of questions. Those questions will be submitted by the senators to the Supreme Court Justice John Roberts in the chair. Uh, and those will all be adjudicated and moved through. And so I'm guessing towards the end of the week, uh, they'll actually get to a, a debate over witnesses. And my my guess currently is that uh, we're going to end up with some very fascinating, fascinating things uh, happening uh, on uh, late in the week on these votes. I actually think you're going to see, uh, when it comes to the witnesses, I think it's going to be a 50-50 vote as to whether or not to have witnesses. I think you will have three Republicans, uh, Senator Mitt Romney, Susan Collins, uh, and uh, Senator Murkowski from Alaska. I think those three will vote for witnesses. Uh, so you'll end up with a 50-50 tie, and that will lead us and launch us into a great debate <laughs> over does it fail because it doesn't get to 51? Does the Supreme Court justice cast a deciding vote, or does the vice president get to cast a deciding vote? Uh, some very interesting theories uh, swirling around that, uh, so we'll keep our, our eye on that. also wanted to play uh, a, a little uh, clip from uh, David Brooks, uh, who was going through and, and did some analysis in terms of how did the Democrats do. I think most people agreed that Adam Schiff did a good job in terms of laying out the case. I was a little baffled at his closing argument. Uh, in the final minutes, he started to talk about uh, China and how China might possibly interfere in the 2020 election, and that's why you needed to remove the president. Uh, you 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 can't vote to remove a president on something that hasn't happened yet, uh, which is just, was just an odd way for them to end. It kind of ended on a little bit of a thud there, uh, so that was interesting. But David Brooks did raise an interesting question, uh, an important question, uh, and this is what he said over the weekend. It's sort of a moral critique, and it's a big like if honesty doesn't matter, does our constitution work? And if, if loyalty to the country doesn't outweigh loyalty to the party, does our Constitution work? And they kept coming back to that. And so, and so that's a moral case. The question to me, do we then think, how much do we think of this as a legal thing? And how much do we think it's a moral thing? I'd be a little wary of removing a president because we find him morally objectionable. I mean, I'm, I think these are all great arguments for not to vote for the guy, but to do a Washington legal process of removal. I think that's a fascinating argument. The moral case versus the legal case, I think, is is always uh, just interesting uh, because really they were making the case, uh, you know, if it's if it's an honesty issue, if it's a moral thing uh, or is it a loyalty to country over loyalty to party? Does the Constitution work if you don't have loyalty to country over party? Uh, and that would put uh, both sides of the aisle uh, in deep jeopardy. So uh, a lot of ground to continue to cover. We'll continue to monitor that here on KSL News Radio. We're going to step aside. When we come back, we're going to be joined by our friend Jason Perry from the Hinckley Institute of Politics, smartest inside source we got around here today. And an important and an exciting announcement between the Hinckley Institute, the Deseret News, and National Pollster Scott Rasmussen. Stay with us. Much more to come live from Utah's Capitol Hill on KSL News Radio. We'll be right back.